Today we're getting into question 19 in the New City Catechism. Right? Now, uh, in order for us to really grasp the importance of question 19, I think we have to revisit um, question 18 first. So, um, I have question 18 here. And um, let's see if you guys remember what it is. Okay, question 18 asks, will God allow our disobedience and idolatry to go unpunished, right? And the answer, no. Every sin is against the sovereignty, holiness, and goodness of God and against his righteous law. And God is righteously angry with our sins and will punish them in his just judgment both in this life and in the life to come. Okay, and this is what the Bible teaches us about um, God's response to, to human sinfulness. Now, this is where some people might say, um, you know, here, this is where you Christians talk about you know, God's judgment and punishment, and why is God so mean, and why do you have to scare people into believing in God, talking about punishment and hell and judgment. Um, is that what this is? Is this about scaring people into believing um, no, that's not what this is. Um, this is, this is first of all, actually, um, a necessary part, um, in celebrating, celebrating something really good, uh, that's at the same time really worth protecting and preserve, preserving, okay? Um, think about, think about the picture of a newborn baby. Okay, so I have a three-month-old baby. Some of you, some of you have seen her. Some of you met her. Um, when I show people a picture of a newborn, like my newborn on my phone, um, their reaction is always the same. Uh, you know, wow, so precious, you know, so beautiful. Why? Because she is. She is precious and, and beautiful and lovely. Um, that's the normal reaction, right? But what if I were to show the same people a picture of a newborn baby um, born in a prison in North Korea? Okay, and she and the, and the newborn baby is just starving to death. Okay. Or let's even consider a, a baby that's born in an abortion clinic. What would the reaction be in that case? Right? Will they will they say the same thing? Will they? Oh, how precious and lovely and beautiful and cute! I just want to, right? No, nobody will react that way in that instance. Why not? Still a baby. What's different? The celebration is gone. Why? Because that precious, beautiful, lovely child is not protected. The, the really good thing is not preserved, right? And, and, and then the celebration's gone. If you have something really good, but not well preserved, it's not worth celebrating, okay? Um, the only reason why people would look at my baby picture and go, oh, how sweet and lovely, is because packed into that picture and assumed behind that picture is a protective family, and that this child is loved and cared for, right? That's the assumption, and that's what that's what leads them to, to celebrate. So what's really good really isn't good enough 
um, until it's well-preserved and well-protected. And that's what God's justice is. Okay. Um, it is the preserving and protecting of his holiness and his goodness. Because those really are precious and beautiful things that ought not to be violated. It's not criticism, therefore, right, to say God is a judge that executes justice and punishes sin. It's really a compliment. It's a compliment to him for being someone who cares enough to preserve and protect what's really good and then what's really important. Okay. You see one uh, on the news once in a while, right, uh, some news about, let's say, something about a corrupt judge, a corrupt judge being, you know, bribed, you know, to let rich people off and... Um, or they're judging not based on the evidence, but based on kind of personal bias, right? You see things like that on the news once in a while. And that angers us, right, appropriately, right? Why does that anger us so? Because a judge is not supposed to be bending the law according to his or her preference, right? A judge is not supposed to be flexible with the law, right? Um, a judge is supposed to execute justice and execute the law in a almost in a cold-hearted manner. They have to be so objective and unbiased, they almost seem cold, right? Um, even if, like, their own children were to be on trial, a good judge would execute justice, right? And not kind of, oh, this is my child, so I'm going to let him off, right? That's a good judge. Um, if we're talking about a babysitter... Right, for my kids, let's say, then I'm totally okay with someone being flexible, you know, f being flexible with bending the rule here and there, you know, being warm-hearted. But if you're talking about a judge, a good judge, making you know, judgments that impact like a whole society, you don't want someone who's flexible with the law. You don't want someone who's warm-hearted towards some people and not to others. You want someone sober-minded, objective, and even cold. That's a good judge. God is a good judge. God is a good judge. It's not a compliment to say, you know, as some people do, God is love and therefore he doesn't punish sin. God is so kind, he's going to just let people off. That's not a compliment. That's saying God is corrupt. He's a corrupt judge. That's what that's saying. And the Bible doesn't give us a corrupt judge. The Bible presents a very just God who doesn't overlook any sin, even our thoughts, not just our deeds. God is a good judge. And, and he preserves and protects the goodness of his righteousness, his holiness. So this is where we run into the problem, right? The problem is... God is utterly holy, just, we're not, right? We've broken all of his laws. And our hearts are always inclined to break his laws. So God, being the good judge that he is, he must punish us. He must punish sinners. And this is where question 19 comes in, right? Is there any hope for us? And yes, there is. There is a way out. There is a way for us to be saved, and that's what question 19 is about. So let's read question 19 and uh, the answer uh, together. Um, let's read it. Can you, can you see it? Okay. All right. Let's read it out loud together. Ready, set, go. 
Is there any way to escape punishment and be brought back into God's favor? Yes, to satisfy His justice, God Himself, out of mere mercy, reconciles us to Himself and delivers us from sin and from the punishment for sin by a Redeemer. Okay. Now the uh, children's catechism answer is a lot shorter, and that's what you're going to be memorizing, but let's unpack this fuller um, answer before we, we do that. Uh, this is actually a very carefully, clearly stated answer to the question. Right? First, it says, to satisfy His justice. Okay, meaning, right, God is the good judge. That's who He is. He preserves the good because He is good. But then, out of mere mercy, He reconciles us to Himself, delivers us from sin, and from the punishment for sin by a Redeemer. Okay, that's the, that's the good news. When God didn't have to be merciful, He chose to be merciful. That's the good news. The bad news is, we're going to suffer under God's justice, because God is a good judge. And we're not going to get out of it, because he's, he's that good. He's not corrupt. But the good news is, when God did not have to be merciful, He chose to be merciful. Okay, you have to understand how important um, this is in understanding the gospel. It is not an obligation for God to be merciful. It is not an obligation for God to be merciful. Because if God is obligated to be merciful, like if you say, you know, God, you're love, right? You're, God, you're, you're a loving God, then you have to be merciful. You have to be merciful. When you obligate God that way, you're no longer talking about mercy. Mercy, by its definition, is giving something voluntarily that's undeserved. Right? It's, it's undeserved and it's voluntarily given. When you say you have to give it, I mean, that you're talking about wages. You're talking about a payment that's deserved and not mercy. That's the beginning of the gospel. God chose to be merciful. And he reconciles sinners to himself, meaning he makes the relationship right again. God is all about healing this broken relationship. There's no longer this conflict. There's no um, perpetual, you know, uh, uh, conflict between humanity and God. There's now forgiveness and healing in this relationship. And what does that look like? Well, two things. Being delivered from sin and from the punishment of sin. Okay, what's the difference? What's the difference between being delivered from sin and being delivered from the punishment of sin? Okay, uh, these two things are very key. Being delivered from the punishment of sin means you no longer have to suffer God's wrath and pay that penalty for your sins, pay the consequences for your sins. But being delivered from sin itself means you no longer have to live under its continuing rule and dominance in your life. Okay? So one is about being freed from the consequence of sin, and the other is about freedom from the dominance of sin. Okay, so, so let me give you an example just to make that clearer. I know that sounds a little kind of abstract. Let's say I have a million dollar debt because I was spending money in a very irresponsible way for a very long time and I have a million dollar debt. I go to court because I can't pay the million dollar debt. I'm about to go to jail because I can't pay off that debt. Jesus comes in and he says, I got him. I'm going to pay off his debt. I'm going to pay off his debt with my million dollars. 
and I'm, I'm free to go. The judge says, your debt is paid, you're free to go. So I'm no longer going to suffer the consequence of my, my debt and not, my debt not being paid. I don't have to go to jail anymore, right? But when I leave the courtroom, does that somehow mean I'm going to start spending money responsibly now? What's the guarantee that I'm not going to accrue debt again? I'm not going to have a million dollar debt again. Right? What's going to change so that I don't come back to court later on? Um, and that's where the second half of the good news comes in. You're not only delivered from the punishment from sin, you're delivered from sin itself. You can actually overcome your sinful patterns, habits, thoughts, now your, your chains are off, right? You're, you're free to overcome sin and temptation. You have that power over sin. Right? It doesn't mean that you will never sin again. It just means you, you will no longer live under its dominance, even though you may still feel its influence. Okay? You still feel its influence, but you won't live under its dominance. And all of this is made possible by who? A redeemer. A redeemer. And that Redeemer is Christ, the Son of God, right? Who lived the life we couldn't live and died the death we should have died so that we can receive God's mercy and forgiveness while He receives God's punishment for sins. At the cross, we have this great trade-off exchange. We get His righteousness. He gets our sins punishment. That's what our Redeemer has done for us. Not out of obligation, out of mercy, out of mercy. And perhaps what's most amazing about this, and you're going to get into this in your small groups, it says that it pleased him. Uh, it pleased God to give up his son to redeem us. It pleased him for Christ to die the death that he died for our sake. God was that willing to save you. And that means he's that much in love with you. you know, to this day, I, I don't know how much I, I would have to love someone. How much I would have to love someone that it would please me. It would actually please me to give up my child for that person. That's crazy. It's unfathomable. It's, it's beyond me. It's superhuman. And, and that's the love with which God has loved you. With a crazy love. Unfathomable love. A superhuman divine love that he would be pleased to redeem you even at the cost of his own son. That's the love that you and I have received. Let's be thankful for that. And let's not take that for granted what our God has done to reconcile us to himself, okay? Let's pray, and now divide us into small groups. Father God, we, we don't want to take for granted just the kind of mercy that you've shown us, and also the, the justice that you also hold dear. God, you are a great judge. You are a good judge, but we thank you that you are also a merciful God. That you are forgiving. 
that you are redeeming, and that you would even go to the extent of giving us your own son to redeem us, to adopt us into your household. God, will you help us to restore the joy and the gratitude for this salvation, not to, not to undermine and lessen the seriousness of our sins, but to see the true gravity of it so that we can see the true sacrifice that you made to save us and redeem us and to reconcile us. God, we thank you um, for this gospel. And as we share more of this in our small groups, Lord, help us to dive deeper into it and to grow in our knowledge of it. In Jesus' name we pray.